Hello, everyone, and welcome to Global Gurus, where every Friday we explore stories of international business and speak with industry leaders around the world. I'm your host, Philip Auerbach of Auerbach International. Thank you so much for joining us today. As most of you know, we start each program with a running segment called Faux Pas Fridays, where we explore funny blooper or mistranslation that does not quite convey the professional image that your organization wants to project. And since today's guest is from Latin America, I thought it would be appropriate to do a blooper from Mexico. Um, and as you will see, one simple word could change, dramatically change the meaning of the sentence. Um, and it was a sign in a hotel in Acapulco, which said in English quite simply, the manager has personally passed all the water served here. Today's guest is Rocky Zapata. Uh, Rocky has two consulting businesses in Latin America, mostly in Nicaragua, as well as in Mexico, Honduras, Guatemala, Colombia, and Puerto Rico. He's with clients mainly in the construction industry. He consults about leadership, environmental health, and behavioral safety. He has owned clothing stores in his native Nicaragua, where he still owns coffee fields, and he also owns a tourist yacht chartering business in Miami, where his consulting business is based. Rocky has dedicated his life to developing people of all backgrounds and cultures and discovering the leadership they carry within. His online leadership school at rockyzapata.org has hundreds of clients, mostly again in Latin America. Welcome, Rocky. Delighted you can join us today. Well, Phil, um, first and foremost, um, thank you for the invitation. I truly, truly appreciate it. Pleasure. So perhaps you can tell us a bit about your background, um, where you grew up, how you grew up, um, how you came to the United States, and how you got into your current businesses. Well, it's, um, it's always a funny you know, story, uh, say my story, um, because I was born in the middle of a saga and uh, in Latin America, we had just finished a civil war in 1979. Um, so the left uh, wing party of the Sandinistas had taken over the country. So we were in a 10 year um, of Sandinista rule. I was born right in the middle. I was born in 84, um, right in the middle of that. So when I told you I was born in a, um, in a saga of crisis is because, I mean, I remember as a kid, we used to make lines and we would get half a pound of rice for the whole family for, uh, for two weeks, half a bar of soap for the whole family for two weeks. Mm. And as you know, Phil, back then there was no Facebook, no direct TV. So there were a lot of kids. <laughs> there were plenty of kids. Um, so within that, you know, it was the perfect time to develop a uh, real losing mentality. Right. Um, but my mom, which is my hero, she did a great, I mean, a phenomenal job just telling me, you know, Rocky, you know, hang on in there. This is temporary. I know things look bad around us um, because that's one thing that, you know, Latin American governments steal from their people is the ability to dream and dream big. Yeah. Uh, so I grew up, you know, within that. Um, and then came 1992 when my mom just couldn't take it anymore. Um, you know, Phil, uh, half of my family were, you know, uh, imprisoned by the current government and, huh. and there were no laws. Nothing had, not much has changed since then, but, um, she brought me here to the United States, 
um, to the greatest country known to mankind, by the way, let me, uh, um, and but, no, sorry, were you able to get a visa out with no problem or did you have to sneak out? How did you, how did you get out of Nicaragua? Yeah, we had to sneak out because at that moment, um, with the current crisis, um, that the country was actually facing, they were not letting anybody out. So the only way to get out was you had to sneak out. And in 1990, um, I'm sorry, didn't sneak out by boat or crossing a border. But we had to cross the border north over to Honduras. Honduras. Yeah. So we had to cross the border uh, north over to Honduras um, because they were not letting anybody out. What happened was after those 10 years in 1990, um, the first elections were held. And that's when Violeta Chamorro, which was the first female president of Latin America, came into power. Even though she was in power and, you know, from the outside, it seemed like everything was okay. The reality is, even though she was um, president at the moment, the military was still being ruled by the Sandinistas. Um, So she was just the faith, but the arms, you know, um, everything was um, by the Sandinistas. So, yeah, we had to cross over on north um, through the border of of Honduras. And that's how we were able to escape the country. And I got here um, to South Florida where other of my family members were residing. when I was nine years old, I remember I, I got here maybe a month right before Hurricane Andrew. I don't know if you remember Hurricane Andrew. So oh, yes. Yeah, they just destroyed um, the city of Homestead. Um, and because of that hurricane, you know, building codes changed a lot in, in, you know, in the South Florida market. After right. It destroyed everything. So th- that was my welcome package here, Hurricane Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> I was nine years old, um, so that was pretty much my story growing up and, you know, in poverty and coming into this country. Now, coming into this country was very tough, um, right, Phil, because it was a different culture. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I was nine, the language was different, right? I mean, going to school and all the kids uh, speaking in English, the language was very, very different. So it was real tough for me leaving everything behind at home. Um, but we started developing um, and growing in this great country um, and, you know, came high school and, you know, my mom and, her, and I were re- very poor, um, to tell you the truth. Uh, we lived in a one bedroom efficiency, one, you know, one bed. So I, re- I didn't really know what to go to school for, to tell you the truth. But I didn't know what to do in my life. I mean, right. I was in high school. We were poor. I didn't know any better. Um, the one thing that my mom did have is she told me, you got to go to school. And I said, mom, what do I go to school for? <laughs> you know, she's like, well, I don't know, but you still got to go to school. You know, so she didn't know what I had to go to school for. I didn't know what I had to go to school for. I mean, we didn't have any money for school anyways. Um, and then I remember um, I was 19 years old and I had, you know, my mom was, uh, my mom and I were attending church at the time. And I had one of the brothers from church tell me, hey, you want to get into construction? I said, well, you know what? I've never done construction in my life. But, you know, at that time, that was 2003, Phil, they were going to pay me $7.50 an hour. Um, so to me, $7.50 an hour back then, when I was banking, you know, I'm a millionaire at this point. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, I, I feel like I was throwing money in the air, you know. Just, um, so I started as a carpenter at $7.50. And um, at the time, one of the safety managers, he was from Nicaragua, but he didn't manage the English language very well. There was a language barrier for him. Mm-hmm. So he, he, he got me and, and, and I started doing his paperwork. 
And I started translating everything for him. And I was like, this is easy. So that's when I started going, you know, I was going to college at the time, Miami Data College and then FIU. And that's when I started getting into the whole safety um, arena because, he, you know, I was doing his paperwork. I was doing everything for him. To me, it was good because I got to be in the air conditioning and not out in the sun with the other construction workers at 19 years old. Right. So I told him, I'll translate anything you want me to translate for you, buddy. So, you know, I initially get the question, what was the secret sauce of my growth? I think it was being bilingual in mm. South Florida. That's I mean, crazy. because, you know, I went to school and then I started working for a company. Right. Um, I started working for a company at 23 years old as their safety director. At that time, now at 23, as their safety director, I was already making about 80000 a year at 23. Wow. Yes, yeah, so I was earning salary for you. Yeah, I'm a, oh, I'm, I'm a billionaire. That most definitely, I'm a billionaire. So at that time, I saw the need and I saw mm -hmm. the niche um, fill of a lot of companies, smaller companies that maybe couldn't afford mm -hmm. a safety professional like myself the need of needing safety. Um, so they started calling me because I knew I knew the Spanish language and I can actually communicate with their Latino workforce. Not a lot of people could communicate with their Latino workforce. So in 2014, I took the leap of the leap of faith and I said, you know what? I'm gonna venture on my own. I'm gonna start Rocky's a path of safety consultants. Um, I was a little worried because I was accustomed to the weekly paycheck. You know, that Friday that check came in and I was real happy because the check came in, um, but I had some savings there. And in 2014, I took the leap of faith and I started Rocky Zapata Safety Consultants. And within a year, I mean, within a year, I already had three safety professionals working for me. It was rapid growth. Wow, that's fantastic. It was, yeah, it was rapid growth just because of the language, Phil. Because the language, they needed someone to speak um, the Spanish language to their Latino workforce. So from there, you know, I grew and I started venturing out and opening other businesses and started doing conferences and opened up my yacht business and, and did many, many, many things from safety. So safety was really, really good to me. That's outstanding. Um, two quick questions about your family. You mentioned you and your mother. What about your father and your siblings? Did they come with you? So, no, um, when, when I mentioned earlier that, you know, we, they had a lot of kids was because my grandmother from my maternal, uh, my maternal grandmother, she had 13 kids and my, uh, my paternal grandfather, he had 33 kids. Wow. So I had many, many, many cousins. I mean, I can win a presidential election in Nicaragua, it's just my family, right? <laughs> I'll yeah. definitely win. Um, but my mother and my dad, uh, my mom only had me, so I was an only child. I am an only child. So I'm an only child um, from my mom. We grew up together. My dad stayed back home, you know. You know how the old man used to be the big machista, you know. the yeah. I'm the man, and I get to have 100 women. You know, my mom didn't roll that way. She said, no, well, you, can, you can keep 99, but I'm out of here. So I have other siblings um, back home, actually in a home in Nicaragua. And Guatemala. So my dad actually was back and forth. He had a welding business. Oh. Where he had, had, so he was back and forth. So I have some siblings in Guatemala and Nicaragua, but, you know, very limited. Uh, yeah. contact with them because I grew up by myself, just my mom and I. It's fascinating. It's great. And unusual for Latin Americans. So that's great. Yeah, but, you know, not anymore today for women have, you know, they have awakened. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
<laughs> so tell me about um, your experience with Latin America business. Um, how would you characterize, I guess, some of the similarities and some of the differences with the, with the U.S.? Well, I'll, I'll start with this, with the difference with U.S. and um, Latin America. First and foremost, I'll, I'll, I'll dive in a little bit into, um, into Nicaragua, and I'll tell you that in most Latin American countries, um, there is no open or free society. Mm. Okay. So, um, these countries actually have no laws. These countries have no regulations whatsoever. And these countries are a hundred percent managed by the government. Um, mm. so let me give you a quick example, quick example for you. If I was in Nicaragua last week, mm -hmm. um, I went to see some of the coffee fields. And I was there last week and it's so unsafe. I, I promised myself I'm not going to go anymore because I have a 10 year old daughter mm. and I want to be around for <laughs> her. So I promised myself not to go to Nicaragua for at least two to three years until everything settles down. But as I was there last week, um, the biggest pawn shop, okay, in Nicaragua, which is Casa de Empeños in Spanish, their name is Perisa, okay, a pawn shop. I mean, the government completely seized other 20 locations around the nation. Mm. They, they took gold. Imagine you having a gold chain and going to the biggest pawn shop in Nicaragua and, you know, getting $300 for your gold chain and you're saving money to go get your chain back. And now the government, they went in all 20 locations in the country. Mm -hmm. um, because remember, Nicaragua is not a big country. It has just a little bit more than 6 million right. um, people. And the political, um, the, the, the financial market, everything is centered in Managua, um, the capital. Like 89, 90% is centered in Managua. Mm -hmm. And the other 10% is, you know, distributed throughout the country. Right. So the government went in, okay, and they literally seized um, just everything from Prisa, from that pawn shop. So they literally took everything. I mean, gold, silver equipment, anything you can uh, think of. Employees were held hostage um, for more than 18 hours. You know, imagine you're just an employee, you know, I mean, I just go there to work. Um, they were held hostage for more than 18 hours. Wow. Um, so in America and Nicaragua, where I've done, you know, the majority of my business, the difference to the U.S., no laws, no regulations. You go in there, you do business. Um, you don't know when it's going to end, but it's not going to end because you sell your business. It's going to end because the government um, ceases your business and they take over your business as a whole. So it's a huge difference from that market to here. Well, but Nicaragua basically is a dictatorship and that's the case in, in most dictatorships. What about places like Mexico and Colombia and you know other countries that are more democratic? So... Places that are more democratic, per se, um, through the outside, through, through the okay, outside field, well, right? I'll give, you, I'll give you a quick example. Let's talk about Colombia, per se, right? Mm -hmm. So Colombia, they has um, the more, per se, out democratic um, lining in government uh, than most of them. Business uh, differs over there, differs over there because, per se, you get a lot more cheaper labor in these countries. So that is one of the reasons why a lot of businesses um, shift, right, per se, to Mexico, um, to Colombia, 
because what you would pay here in the U.S. twenty dollars an hour, right. um, you can literally pay in Colombia at five dollars an hour, right? So the lifestyle is different. I mean, give you a quick example. My neighbor, he is the vice president of HBO Latino, right? You know the HBO. So he's the VP of HBO Latino. So HBO Latino, when of uh, the the Biden presidency entering January 2020, uh, 2021, they started just closing shop here in Sunrise, in Sunrise, Florida, because the tax, right? I mean, the tax hits they were going to get from the government were huge, were huge. So they shift. I mean, they shift all their operations down to Chile, okay, mm -hmm. in Latin America. And my neighbor tells me that what they would pay an engineer here per se $130,000, they are paying an engineer over there $10,000. And this is annual salary, right? On right. both sides of the aisle. So in Latin America, where you have just a little bit more of democracy, I mean, labor is going to be cheaper. Um, some, you know, depending on the government, you'll get a lot of tax cut um, in Latin America. And that's because, you know, most of the time there is no laws or regulations. So it's, you know, it's a lot easier per se to buy out your local politicians and get lower, I mean, way uh, lower. It, the corruption is huge. I, you know, I hate to say that on your podcast, but it's just, it's just a, you know, massive. It is. Right. It's a massive. I mean, it's massive, you know. Um, you literally have to have the right right connection and you're going to be golden with business. It's just, I mean, I, I'm sure you heard. Remember when the whole order break? Um, yes. the whole order break, um, order breaks big, big, one of the biggest construction companies, um, in the world. I did some work for them here in, um, in the Miami international aircraft. I did some consulting for order break. And sorry uh, for our listeners, it's Aldebrecht and it's a German company that was working in Brazil, right? And this was a scandal. That is here. The huge scandal where they, you know, they were buying out, I mean, Peru, Brazil, Chile, um, they were buying out all these governments and they were getting all the construction contracts. And <laughs> people were saying, why is Odebrecht, you know, winning everything going over Latin America? I mean, they were literally buying Latin America. They were literally building Latin America as a whole. Mm. Um, but it was a huge scandal. Yeah. So, I mean, huge difference with doing business over there. I mean, doing business here, as you know, you know, obviously we had a, a, a we have a free and open society. So, um, it's yeah. a lot, you know, the structure, it's structured better for, um, business owners, obviously, depending on, on governments also here, um, where you follow certain tax brackets and certain codes that the government puts out for businesses. What about um, just in a normal office in terms of the management style? How, how would that be in terms of the employees versus the managers? So the style in Latin America is very different because the majority of Latin American countries are still in a third world. Um, management styles. Some of them are fifth world, like Nicaragua. So there's, you can say there's probably little to zero education um, to a certain extent where there's not a lot of respect back and forth um, from managers, right, um, to employees. Um, the lack of pay at times, you know, most of them, you know, do not care. Um, and, and so there's just a little battle. Um, back and forth, and there's not, you know, there's not the respect that you actually can find here mm. um, within laws and regulations with that type of um, management style. So it, it, it's very difficult. It's very difficult. Is it extremely top down, the, the owner, the manager, 
says this is what you do and the workers do it, or there's the middle class. So do the do, do the middle class workers ever suggest, well, you know, well, Petron, well, boss, there's another way to do it. And, you know, perhaps we should consider it this way. Right. So in third world countries, there's not really a middle class. Um, you know, that doesn't really exist. Like, you know, per se, you can have in the U.S., um, in a U.S. market. Right. So there's not really a, a middle class, you know, whatsoever per se. So it just pretty, comes, pretty much comes down to another dictatorship at, you know, at the workforce. So it's pretty much, this is what you do. Um, you have to do it. This is the pay, no it or but. So, and, you know, people have to eat. Um, right. People have to work. People have to feed their family. So the majority of the time, you know, it's, 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 it's the way it's going um, with, with that type of management and, and, you know, things out there in Latin America. Okay. Well, there, you know, there are educated people, of course. And up front, yes. Yes. And in Colombia and Peru, you know, so forth there, Mexico, there are middle-class people. Um, and so when they're, when they're in these countries, in these companies, um, would they be able, would they generally be able to suggest alternative ideas or is it, does it totally depend on the company? So a lot of it depends on the company, Phil. Um, I mean, I'm going to give you a quick example, right? Chile. Mm -hmm. um, Chile has massive educated people. I mean, right? Massive, right? I mean, yeah. big, yeah. big. Um, and if you go to, per se, to a, you know, an organization like Chile, a, a country like Chile, and, and to one of their you know, top big organizations, it really comes down you know, to the company um, and what they take um, in accountability for their people. So when, when you have Chile, which has a lot of educated people, um, yeah, you know, I mean, the middle class or the, you can say that type of middle class, um, a lot of their, you know, opinions into where the company should head or, or the path um, the company should go, it is taken into consideration. But ultimately, lastly, it's almost, almost still a dictatorship where, you know, we'll take your opinion into consideration, but we're going to decide the way we go from here. Right. Um, which, even though it is taking some, it's little to none. In other words, it's more mm. um, to give, you know, these employees the feeling that, yeah, they're taken into consideration. It's tough out there. Um, huh. It is tough. Um, what about cultural issues? Um, in uh, I'm sorry, let me, let me go stick with the management issues. In terms of um, marketing or packaging or pricing, how would that differ in Latin America from here? Well, so, so let's, let's, let's touch base, right, per se, um, into like marketing, correct? Right. Um, I mean, I, I know what everyone is thinking, correct? I mean, or, or most people I talk to, right, feel like, well, Latinos are Latinos. Um, and, even, and, and even thought this is a true statement, and, and, and hear what I'm, what I'm going to tell you. Even thought this is a true statement. Um, it is still far from the truth, right? Uh, if that makes any sense yeah. uh, whatsoever. So, I mean, i give you an example. Nicaragua, right? Nicaraguans have a different, uh, per se, dialect, accent, uh, lingo, culture, and temperament, um, or, um, temperament than to say, you know, Argentinians or, or, or even Mexico, Mexicans, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so when you actually market um, to a Latino, um, you have to use their local, um, their local or their demographics to establish, per se, some sort of a strong marketing plan. Um, you know, so you have to know, per se, which country, 
and tradition you're targeting with that marketing. Because even though we are um, per se on Latinos, it's it's just we're Latinos, but we're still um, far away at the same time. Um, so, right. I mean, I'll give you an example. Last week, I was at a business conference, uh, and one of the uh, one of the attendees asked, and and he says, "Hey, can I translate my English language into Spanish?" Right, and and unfortunately, you know, I told him that might not be, you know, as successful. You know what I mean? If you want to just, you know, per se apples to apples, um, English to Spanish. Um, so the marketing is different, you know, the language is different, the culture is different among them. Um, so everyone has, um, you know, their own set per se country of their own marketing, their own identity, you know, like, you know, Mexico, Mexico says, hey, Mexico is, is Mexican, you know what I mean? Right. And we are uh, the Mexicans and you go to Costa Rica and, and the Costa Ricans, you know, tell you, pura vida, maje, you know, <laughs> Costa Rican, so... It's, it's, it's challenging, but it's fun at the same time, because even though we are all Latinos and we speak, um, per se, the Spanish language, it, it, it differs uh, huge with them. Well, since you teach leadership um, through your online school and you teach safety, are there differences in how you would approach people in Costa Rica, for example, versus Mexico versus Colombia? So, yeah, th there's a huge difference in how to approach them. Now, when I do approach them, I use my Latino side, um, you know, and, and, and let them know, hey, I'm Latino, I'm, I'm from Nicaragua, you know, you're Mexican, you're Argentinian, um, you understand we're going to defer, I mean, even in food, right? We did, you know, we defer even in food um, per se. So my approach um, to them and the leadership is always trying to connect with them. So, when, you know, when I got Mexicans in front of me, you know, I've, I've got great Mexican friends and love the Mexican people. Um, and I know a lot about politics in Latin America, so that helps me out a lot. Uh, right. I start, you know, when, and when I say speak about politics, not going one side or the other, you know, that never ends well, but I start talking about their history. You know what I mean? Who's in power now? You know, what's happened before he entered power? How is it going now? How is it going with business? The food, the tacos, you know, I start naming places I've been to in Mexico. So I just connect with them at that moment. And I think it sparks, um, it sparks the love between the Mexicans and I per se in this case. So I always try to get personal with them one-on-one -on -one from where they're at. And, 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 and Latinos appreciate that a lot. But is there some, is there an approach or certain um, words, for example, that you can say to a Mexican that you can't say to a Colombian? Is there oh, all the time. Like what? So per se, uh, I'll give you an example. That was in Colombia. <laughs> gonna laugh at this. And I don't mean I don't mean the individual words that are slang or have different meanings. But you know, when you're teaching leadership, is there are there concept are there are there concepts that you can say to Mexicans that don't resonate at all with the Costa Ricans or the Colombians, for example? So per se, if, if there's no slang, I try to keep my Spanish at a center, uh -huh. uh, right at a center level. Right. I mean, I try to use the um, the professional, you know, for if you can, you know, right. the right, correct words, um, you know, uh, they come from La Real Academia, right? Try to use the, uh, the actually the academy words um, that, you know, everybody kind of knows. So I, I try to navigate always um, on those words. Now, the lingos per se or, or certain words, you know, which as Latinos, we change them around. 
Um, so per se, you know, I was in Colombia and in Nicaragua, saying calentura means you, you know, you have a fever, you know, I have a fever, but saying calentura in Colombia, it means, you know, you want to have sex. <laughs> no, it, it, it was like, you know, and people are looking at me weird, you know, and <laughs> like, I think, hey, what did I say wrong here? You know, but I guess I connected with people and that, you know, even, even with that, I even connected with them, you know, and they were laughing and we got into it and, 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 and it was great. So, no, I mean, I, even though I try to connect, um, depending on their culture, I try to connect with them one-on-one. I try to always use, you know, the, the, the overall general Spanish um, when, I, when I visit these countries. Right. Uh, but again, in terms of leadership concepts, um, Latin America is very top down, right? Yeah. So are there concepts of leadership that you would teach in Mexico that apply to Mexico that do not apply in other countries? No, so our, our leadership course, Phil, is pretty much leadership, I mean, down the line, the leadership that I've learned here. So I think the leadership that we learn or we have in uh, the, the United States is the model for Latin America. I mean, Miami, South Florida, South Florida is known as the capital of Latin America, right? right. right. So even with safety, right? I mean, even with safety, is, everything is from the U.S. You know, OSHA, we want the U.S. OSHA. Safety, we want the U.S. safety. You know, environmental and health, we want the, you know, the leadership, we want it from the U.S. Because remember, we are first world and we are ahead um, of Latin America. So whenever you teach leadership or even safety or, or you know, anything of that nature, it, everyone literally wants it to come from here because the whole world views us as the example of what leadership, safety, you know, finances, life, we, we are the leaders and they view us as, you know, they want to learn our model to be able to move forward. Okay. I mean, I mean, even, you know, Pinochet, which was the Chilean leader, uh, dictator, right. back then, you know, when he entered power in 1973, he literally got nine economists, okay? And he sent them over to the University of Chicago, which I believe they were the Chicago right. boys, huh? right? Yes. And he says, listen, I want to learn U.S. economy, right? <laughs> Because I want to grow Chilean economy. Right. So, you know, they came to the University of Chicago, learned U.S. economy, went back to Chile and grew the Chilean economy in that time. So we, we are the model for them, um, Phil. So to ask your question, no, they, they want U.S. leadership and it's across the board in Latin America. Okay, so one of the aspects of U.S. leadership is soliciting opinions from your managers, for example, um, and, you know, getting, getting input from many people about, you know, how to, how to improve your company, your products, your services, whatever they can, whatever they may be. Um, but you also said that the typical style in Latin America is top down, you know, thank you very much for your advice. This is what we're all, what you are going to do. Um, so in a way, learning U.S. leadership and learning, well, safety may be different, but learning U.S. leadership styles doesn't really matter because they're not doing it any. Well, they're not doing it anyway. You are correct, but they still want to learn it. They still want to hear it. I'll give you a quick example. Um, I was in Guatemala um, some time back, and I was, you know, speaking to a, um, a CEO um, of a hotel chain. And, um, and I told them, listen, I said, you know what you need here? 
um, you need more training, right? Um, unfortunately, you know, you need your management to be trained, right? You need your managers to be trained, your managers to learn how to hear um, their employees. You know, you need to, you know, you need some of that training. And he, he was, you know, very good with it. He's like, you know what, Rocky? Um, you're right. I do need, you know, I do need some of that. And then he called one of his managers, which is, is, which is below him. And he's like, hey, listen, this is Rocky's suggestion. We should have some training. So we're going to bring all the managers together. And we're going to have this and this training on how to listen to people. Guess what the manager, even though the CEO was receptive, right, to this, the manager says, well, why are we going to train the other managers? How about they leave, right? So I can train them. What if they leave, right? What if they leave? And then, you know, I, I was stuck, you know, because the CEO saying, hey, I want this. I want to change the culture. I want to do something about it. Here comes the manager and says, well, why are we going to train people? How about if they leave? And the CEO came back with a great response, right? Um, with a mic drop. And he's like, you know what? What happens if they stay? Good. So, and, you know, I, and I didn't even get that response. You know, that, that, that came directly from him. He's like, hey, what happens if they stay? Right. And I said, and, and I, I thought that was the best response I've heard from a CEO in Latin America by all means. Absolutely. Well, it, it was great, but you can just see the mentality where managers are at. You know what I mean? It's like, who cares? You know what I mean? I mean, right. you, you know, why train people? They're going to leave. He's like, no, no. What if they stay? And that is what we have to look at. So, and, 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 and part of teaching leadership um, to, to Latin America and, 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 and these leaders, Phil, is, you know, teaching them the love for people, right? And mm -hmm. part of having love for people is you want to you wanna build people up, even if one day they leave you. I mean, it's just, it is what it is. I always give the analogy of, of, you know, the father and son analogy for those who have kids. You know, I says, you do good for your kid. You educate your kid. You, you know, you want your kid to grow and, and be somebody, even though one day he's going to leave you. You know, he's going to do his own life or she's going to do her own life. Hey. And that's what really leadership, you know, you know trickles down to. You want to make sure that all your employees, you know, they learn, you educate them, you, you prepare them. And even though one, one day they leave, you understand that you did your part as a leader to developing these people. It's fascinating. Right. Um, in terms of, wait, you mainly deal with construction industry. Um, do, you deal, do you deal with at all with service industries, hotels and shops and things? We do. So our, our, the bulk of our business, 80% is construction. Uh, the other 20%, we do banks, daycares, restaurants. Restaurants are the best because they, they always want to feed me. <laughs> they always want to feed me, you know? It's like, guys, nothing different is going to come out if you feed me for free, you know? <laughs> um, restaurants, um, some um, mechanic shops. So, yes, we have that 20% which um, we call the general, um, the actual general industry. Mm -hmm. um, in my experience in Latin America, at least in, in the tourist destinations, uh, the service is generally very good. Um, but when I've gone to banks, the service is terrible because, you know, the tellers will just take time and talk to the customers and talk with each other and all of that. And in this country, there's the sense that time is money and you, you know, efficiency and you just serve the customer and move them through. Whereas in um, other countries, it's much more, again, casual and friendly and 
and slow and, um, and you know, a, a person-to-person relationship, which is great, except if you're in a rush and you want to get somewhere, get something done. Um, so when, when you do you teach service, um, it, 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 you're saying that they value United States um, methods, but do you teach this idea of, um, you know, serving the customer and moving on? And instead of just talking and you know talking to to your um, to your customers about their families and about their friends and you know all of that more casual. Well, the thing with that Phil is that um, so Latinos Latinos communicate um, through relationships. That that's just a part of um, per se who we are as a culture. So you know Latinos are big on faith, family. Food, you know, fiesta, sports, majority soccer or baseball, depending on the country. Um, so in reality, Latinos connect to these things. And because they connect to these things, they connect to other Latinos with it. You know, we're very, you know, hug you and handshake and one kiss here, another kiss here. So that's just who Latinos is. And it's really tough to change that and change mm. that. And I know exactly what you're referring to. Because you're at a bank and and the guy's talking, you know, hey, you know, the, did you see the soccer game last night? Yeah, and then yeah exactly. And 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 us, they were we we come from a different type of method per se, right? A different type of system, you know. We're you know here, this is like, you know, on the clock, baby. We're moving, you know right. what I mean? So even me, you know, I, I I I lose it sometimes, you know. I'm like, hey guys, you know, I mean, I know you guys, you know, lovey dovey here, but <laughs> there's a there's a whole line, so it's tough to change that because that's just who Latinos are. They're they they they're big on 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 community. You know what I mean? And, and that's how they actually communicate. Got so it. it's a tough one, Phil. But it is a tough one on that one. I I, I can't help you there, but <laughs> yeah. I have a tough time when I travel with that myself. Right. Good to know that I'm not the you know I'm I know I'm being very American when I go there and I start feeling. <laughs> feeling that um and just accept it but yeah well, because you know how the system here you know we're always running right you know, I, mean, I run three businesses here so it's like business from here from here you know yeah every business has a manager but you know how it is you got to connect with these people and they're calling you and here and it's just it's it, it gets overwhelming here that over there i mean still today some places in Latin america i mean the doctor goes to lunch three hours you know, I was, yeah, it's like I was I was in Matayalpa the other day, you know, a, a when I was in Nicaragua last week and Matayalpa is just maybe two hours from the capital Managua. And, you know, sign outside, I'm out to lunch. I'll be back at 3.30 and it's 12.40, you know? <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. How long is this guy lunch? You know what I mean? They go, they eat, they, you know, they say hi to the kids, they sleep, they wake up. And when everything's done, they get back to the office at three thirty. So, you know, it's just you know, it's just that type of culture. Um, as I've said on other podcasts, I used to live in in Africa, and right. things there work on what we call Africa time. So, if you go to a theater, um, a show of any kind, uh, you know, the starting time is eight o'clock, which means that everyone starts arriving at quarter of eight, and in the lobby, you have to greet everyone, you know, because you know people. Now, how are you? How are your children? How's it going with this particular situation? I hear you just, um, you know, you got a new car, you got a new pet, whatever. Um, 
you know, so you have to talk to people because it's all about relationships. And maybe around nine o'clock, nine fifteen, nine thirty, that's when the show will start. <laughs> exactly, Latin America, right? Right. Um, relationship with people—that's who we are. And we like hugging a lot, you know, and Not hugging and, and, and shaking hands and and kissing everybody. So it's just a Latino thing. Very good. Thank you. Um, is there anything else you'd like to share with us before we close? Uh, I mean, no, you know, I, I, I think we've, we've talked a lot, you know, one of the things I always, you know, tell people even going back to, you know, our initial difference between, you know, Latin America or some Latin America countries, third world ones, the dictatorships and, and, you know, and, and the U S is, you know, in the U S we have huge, huge checks and balances, you know, right. uh, Latin America, some places have zero. Um, checks and balances. So it's a huge difference, right? right. Uh, we're doing business over there. And, and and this is majority Latin American countries, right? One person dictates everything, um, even in some democracies per se. So, you know, you got to go through one person here. We got plenty of checks and balances. You got to go through a lot of people and a lot of people meet each other in other ways. So it's um, it's a huge difference than doing business in Latin America. So it, 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 it's been great, you know, um, doing business in Latin America, doing business here. And I'm hoping one day things get better and uh, and, and we go back, you know, and, and do some more business uh, no. in the Nicaragua country. And I'm sorry, there is one other issue that I forgot I wanted to ask you, and that's about um, the male-female relationships. So if a woman wants to buy a car, for example, uh, first of all, I know in Latin America, you know, if there's a car, it's a family car as opposed to here, or, you know, the husband might have, the wife might have, whatever. But if a woman wants to buy a car or buy, um, I don't know, I don't know, clothing, but, you know, something substantial for the house, for example, um, does the husband generally have to go, go along and go, go with her? Or can she do it on her, her own? Or what, what's the relationship there? Uh, depending on the husband, probably, I would say. I mean, um, the majority, you know, it's changed. The culture has changed a lot. Um, yeah. Bill, and, and, and I know exactly what you're talking on. So the culture has changed in the last decade. Mm. To tell you the truth, before it was like, whatever the man said, you know, can I buy this? No, 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 no. Culture has been shifting a lot in Latin America. You know, women have been waking up and says, you know, I'm not your slave guy. You know, I have my own mind, right? I have my own thinking. I can, I can go buy my own things. And now, you know, women work. So you got a lot of women in the workforce, a lot of women that make their own money. I think that culture comes a lot filled before because, you know, the, the, the male figure per se, the, the father of the family, right. he was the breadwinner. Right. So he's the one going out, bringing the money. They would have a lot of kids and the wife stay home and take care of the kids. So right. I think that's where that mentality came from. Now you have a lot of professional women in Latin America, mm. uh, even if they're not professional, they're not taking crap from a man. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know what I mean? <laughs> we side around. So I think just around women have waken up. So they're, they're, they're taking more of their own decisions now rather than waiting for their men to do it. Oh, that's very refreshing to hear. Yes, it is. Thank you so much. Um, so this has been a wonderful talk with Rocky Sipata. And uh, it's been a wonderful pleasure again to gain your insights today. Thank you so much. Thank you, Phil. I appreciate the, uh, the invitation. Uh, so this has been Philip Auerbach. Please join us again next week 
for another edition of Global Gurus, and there are stories of international business. And if you'd like to connect with me, our website is A-U-E-R-B-A-C-H hyphen I-N-T-L dot com. Thank you so much. 